I always knew I'd have kids. I just never intended to become a mother. I'm Dr. Lee Burge, and this is the Rockstar Parent Podcast. I'm a chiropractor, former college educator, life coach, and mom. Everyone has their own journey into motherhood. This podcast is devoted to telling my story and sharing what I found to be successful along the way. Episode 9, How to Disagree Without Being Disagreeable. In a large survey done by the website care.com, 100% of parenting partners report they have differences of opinion on a variety of topics, including how to parent. Now, even as a left brain science nerd, I am not sure we needed a double blind study to confirm that for us. I think any person who is in a relationship with at least one other human in any capacity knows you never agree on everything. And yet we stay in these relationships with other important humans in spite of the fact that we might disagree on a few things. It's fascinating, really. The only logical conclusion one can reach here is that when it comes to what we consider success in a relationship, it's not that you never disagree. It's what you and the other person do when you disagree that matters most. What if I told you my husband and I came up with a strategy that has allowed us to effectively manage our disagreements about various issues, but especially when we have issues concerning our kids. Would you be interested in hearing about it? Now notice I didn't say it has stopped us from having differences of opinion. We are two separate and pretty strong-minded people, so we will always see the world differently. But we decided that figuring out how to find common ground, especially in our parenting, is what is most important to us and what kept us together through all of the challenges that we have faced. Before I share the framework we developed, I want to tell you the story of our very first fight as parents. It didn't happen when we were deciding when to begin our family. We completely agreed on the timing. It didn't happen when we were shopping for a crib or a stroller. Our tastes were pretty similar there. It didn't happen when we were picking out a name. We knew way before we ever got pregnant that if our first child was a boy, we would name him Jacob. And it didn't even happen during the 18 hours of labor we found ourselves in. I mean, there were moments where things were tense, but no arguments. My husband and I had our first parenting disagreement when our oldest son, Jacob, was about one hour old. Yep, we made it an entire hour as new parents before having our first fight. Must be a record somewhere. After a very long labor, it seems my husband was hungry. The nurse brought me a turkey sandwich and a beverage of my choice when we arrived in our assigned room but he got nothing and his stomach was telling him he was overdue for his next meal. His youngest sister and her husband had come to the hospital to see their brand new nephew. And after holding him and telling us how cute he was, they were headed to a local restaurant for dinner. My husband informed me, or at least it felt like informing over asking 
that he was going to go with them and get some dinner. I was stunned. How could he leave now? We had a sleeping newborn to sit and look at together. I mean, I definitely needed some rest. So also, who was going to watch Jacob while he slept? I mean, wasn't there a perfectly acceptable cafeteria at the hospital he could go to? I think I might have also wondered why I gobbled up that dang sandwich so fast. I don't even like turkey sandwiches that much. Why hadn't I offered half of it to him? If I had done that, maybe he wouldn't be needing to leave now. I asked him not to go. He told me he was going to go. And as he walked out of the room, he turned and asked, Do you want me to bring you back anything? I might have been stunned before, but now I was speechless and I was upset. Is this how it's going to be? I wondered. And I told him with tone, I don't want you to bring me back anything. And as I sat there, I was a combination of crabby and exhausted. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep while he was gone, but I was determined to be mad. Now, we are still happily married after two more kids and 24 more years later. So let's just lay down the truth about how we have stayed together, even though we have a pretty spectacular history of disagreeing on a wide range of topics. As I said at the beginning, the success of your relationship as partners and especially as parenting partners is not dependent on never having disagreements. It's about how you manage your partnership through those disagreements that matters most. Before we get into the framework, I want to introduce the concept of parenting styles. What is a parenting style? Well, according to one expert, a parenting style is a psychological construct representing standard strategies that parents use in their child rearing. Basically, it's how you choose to parent that makes up your style. And there are different categories of parenting styles also according to the experts. I don't want to get into a lot of detail about the different parenting styles in this episode, but why this is important is, and, and I'm going out on a limb here, but I feel fairly certain that I'm on solid footing when I say, a high percentage of our disagreements with our parenting partners about the kids happen because the two of you have different parenting styles. Our parenting styles are definitely influenced by how our own parents raised us, but other things like our birth order, cultural backgrounds, our fundamental values, and our moral compass also tend to factor in. I default to my mom when I'm feeling stressed and overwhelmed as a parent. My husband tends to default to his dad. One day, when we were both feeling stressed and overwhelmed and in the middle of a disagreement, my husband said, it's like your mom married my dad and they're trying to figure out this whole parenting thing and it's just not working. Um, well, ew, that made me cringe, but I also laughed because he wasn't wrong. We realized we needed a different strategy than simply defaulting to what we learned growing up. Now, let me take a minute here and say something. Even if you were raised in the most supportive, loving environment and your partner was raised in the opposite environment, 
you have to realize that common ground must still be found. You cannot simply say, well, it worked for my parents with me, so therefore this is exactly what we should do. And your partner cannot say, I want to do the exact opposite of what my parents did and that is what we should do. The beauty of this new union, your partnership, is that you get to pave your own way together. It might be a blending or a hybrid of the two individual experiences, but you must have a paradigm shift that you aren't trying to reproduce the past models in any way. You're forging a new and completely unique partnership. And that is exciting and a little scary, but mostly exciting. The first step in implementing the framework we developed is a mindset thing. You need to understand that you and your parenting partner are on the same team. It is not you against your partner. It's the two of you against the issue. At the end of the day, the issue is the bad guy. The issue is what you're trying to overcome, not each other. The goal is not to have a winner and a loser. The goal is to have your team winning over the issue. It's a subtle mind shift, but it is essential to come to this way of thinking before you proceed and if you want your partnership to succeed. In that same survey I referenced before, 90% of those who responded said they do want to be on the same page with their partner and try to have a unified team approach when it comes to their kids. Well, if so many people want to be on the same page, why are they not? The other statistic from that survey that is concerning to me is that 75% of parents believe their kids pick up on the differences of opinion that are happening in families. I would say from personal experience, 100% of my kids could pick up on when my husband and I disagreed about how something should be handled. And that is difficult territory to be in. So let's get into it. After the mindset shift, what's next? Second, do not wait until you disagree to talk about what you could disagree about. It is so, so, so much better to identify some potential triggers for disagreement in advance and schedule time to talk through them when you're calm. It is exponentially more difficult to have these important conversations when you're in the heat of the moment feeling all the emotions. It can be done, but it is not easy. From that same survey, care.com came up with a list of the 10 issues parents most commonly disagree upon. As a partnership, you can use this list to begin your conversation and then add to the list as other more specific issues come up. The top issues are, number one, when you have babies, it's whether to let children sleep in the parent's bed or not. Number two, as the kids get to be toddlers and preschoolers, it's how to handle tantrums. Number three, as the kids get older, and this is actually the biggest overall thing parents disagree on, it's how to discipline and what is acceptable and what is not. The fourth thing on the list, one parent saying yes while the other parent says no and then not supporting each other. Number five, 
not following through on what was previously decided. Number six, how much money to spend on gifts, extracurriculars, and other activities. And not just how much you're going to spend on your own kids. Anyone who has had the conversation about how much to spend on a birthday present for a friend of one of your kids knows this is an issue. Number seven, how and when to reward your kids. Number eight, screen time limits and what media is acceptable and at what ages. Number nine, bedtime routines. And number 10 on the list, what your kids should eat and how much they should be eating. This list of potential issues is a great starting point for a scheduled discussion about how to handle disagreements. You might only see a few of the things on the list above that are an issue for your partnership, or all of the things on the list are issues. Chances are, there's also something that isn't even on that list that's going to trip you guys up. The important thing is to figure out what your unique triggers are and begin the discussion. In our framework, we call this getting into the same book. You've all heard the saying about how two people can't get on the same page because they aren't even in the same book. That is truth. So deciding what your potential triggers for disagreements are and begin discussing them in advance is getting you both into the same book. This brings us to the next step. Let's make sure we are in the same chapter as our partner. This is your why. Why is it important to me that the kids be in bed by 8.30 p.m.? Why is it important to your partner that we budget out in advance how much we're willing to spend to have the kids play on the elite soccer team? Why is it important to have them on that team to begin with? You need to express why these issues are important to you. And you can't assume you know the why. You need to allow each other the space to express it. Keep your mind open and recognize that you might even learn something you didn't know before about your partner as they express why a particular issue is important to them. As a life coach, I just want to toss something in here. Often the first why we express when asked isn't the deepest why. As we give ourselves some time to dig around in these issues and ask ourselves, why is this so important to me that this happened the way I want it to? Why am I willing to keep fighting with my partner over this? As we ask ourselves these questions, we need a space where we feel safe enough to answer them. Create that space with your partner and for your partner and for yourself. Get into the same chapter. Understand why this issue and a particular outcome is so important to each of you. And again, this is so much easier and more effective if you're doing this as a scheduled discussion and not in the heat of the moment. Now, once we're in the same book or what, and we're in the same chapter or we know the why, let's make sure we're on the same page. This is the how we are going to get stuff done. And this is going to be a little bit of a switch up from conventional thinking. The old saying is that it's important to be on the same page. But I want to submit to you that if you're in the same book 
and the same chapter, being on the same page isn't always the best thing for your partnership and for your kids. Now let me explain. Multiple studies have shown that kids actually benefit when their parents have different ways of doing things. And those same kids benefit when parenting partners show acceptance of those different ways. My husband makes the PBJs different than I make them. And he will absolutely never get out the cookie cutters and do the fun shapes. And that's okay. Think about the message we're sending our kids when they see us being open to and even embracing that there is more than one right way to get a job done. Now, I'm not going to lie, this is hard. As humans, we tend to get invested in our way being right and everyone else's way being wrong. I mean, if other ways were as good as my way, I would be doing it the other way, right? We need to remind ourselves that most of the time, those other ways of doing things aren't wrong. They're simply different. Being on the same page doesn't mean you and your partner are doing things exactly the same. It means they are getting done and your different ways can peacefully coexist. You know you're on the same page when you've accepted that you can live with each other's unique way of approaching a situation. Now, I live in the real world, so there are going to be times when what is okay with your partner is just not okay with you. We aren't talking about sandwiches and the ways aren't peacefully coexisting. And here is definitely where that list of the most common issues between parents comes back. So let's just throw the topic of discipline strategies out there. This is such a potentially charged issue. And talk about one that is so linked to your parenting strategy and how you were raised yourself. You have to set aside time to discuss what is an acceptable how when it comes to discipline for each of you. Remember the cardinal rule of same page is that often it's okay to have different ways to accomplish the same goal. But in cases where you strongly disagree, you have to talk it through. There are some issues where when it comes to how, you must, without exception, be on exactly the same page. The final step in the framework is to repeat, repeat, repeat. Go through this process of same book, same chapter, same page for each issue about which you have differences of opinion and a potential for disagreement. No, I'm not suggesting you do this all in one sitting. I mean, you got to pace yourself here. And you also take into account the ages of your kids. There are some issues that won't even pop up until your kids reach a certain stage in their lives. But as you continue to go through this framework and agree on some ground rules for each of those issues and commit to following them, your partnership will become stronger and stronger. And then it's just about practice. When you're in the same book, the same chapter, and on the same page with your partner, you can commit to each other that you will handle situations as you've agreed upon and outlined from your conversation. And when you do, you have each other's full support. Hard parenting situations, in my experience, are almost always unplanned. 
You don't schedule in kids disagreeing or misbehaving, for example. Things just come up through the course of a normal day. And it's super common for one parent to be alone when this happens. When I was a young mom with a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, I was just trying to make it through the day some days. I was struggling with the discipline issue myself, and I was resorting to putting my kids in timeout in separate corners of the house for pretty much every single thing that went wrong. I knew it wasn't a very effective way to handle every situation, so I was really looking for other tools I could add to my toolbox. Now, this is before we figured this framework out for ourselves and started using it. So I was kind of doing things on my own, and when I was with the kids, and the same for my husband, when he was with the kids, we would just do our own thing. When I tried something new that I had read about or heard about, and I feel like it worked well, I wanted to share it with my husband later. Sometimes he would thank me for sharing and say he would try it too, but other times he would tell me, no, thank you. He was just going to continue doing it the way he'd always done it. That led to hurt feelings and sometimes the silent treatment and sometimes arguments, none of which are good outcomes. Imagine how things changed for us when we came up with and started using this framework. Imagine what it would be like for you if when a situation arises, you already have strategized with your parenting partner how to handle it. You've made a plan and you just execute the plan. Imagine that conversation when the other parent gets home and you begin telling them what happened and then you're able to say, hey, it did what we discussed and it worked great and everything is fine now. Imagine that outcome so much better than what was happening with us and what might be happening with you now. The cool thing for me about this is, I wasn't born with some magical talent that made this possible. It's a skill that we learned, and you can learn it too. And like anything, it's a skill that gets better the more you practice it. When you talk through each issue together and get in the same book, the same chapter, and the same page, in the what, the why, and the how on all the issues, you back each other up as you stick to the ground rules you agreed upon. Remember, having a difference of opinion is not the problem. It's how you handle it that really matters. It is so destructive to families when a parent openly contradicts the other parent and especially destructive if it happens in front of the kids and undermines their authority. It doesn't have to be that way. I wish we had known that Friday night in the hospital on the day that Jacob was born, that we could have this framework. We could have had a quick conversation about what was important, my husband getting something to eat, why it was important so we didn't pass out and could be functional that night as we sat together and watched our newborn sleep and sleep and sleep some more. Luckily, my husband had the how already figured out on this one because even though I told him I didn't want anything from the restaurant, That chocolate shake he brought back for me sure did hit the spot. I'm just a girl who was ready to start her family, so I got pregnant and had a baby. But what I learned as I raised my own kids, that is the secret to becoming the parent I dreamed I could be and is exactly what I'm sharing with you. Let's rock this parenting thing together.